Good morning. Once again, we want to acknowledge to our Father and our God in heaven that we are grateful for all of his love, mercy, and blessings. And as God's children, we need to always remember that God alone is our help. To place our faith in man is to misplace our faith, for at some point all men need help. And it is God alone that never needs help from anyone. Uh, The psalmist declares in Psalm 60, verse 11, he says, Give us help from trouble, for vain is the help of man. And I believe that even presupposes that we know what help is. Uh, Just for someone to do what I want them to do does not mean that they are helping. Uh, Because somebody gives me what I want does not mean that they are helping. And because someone will not do what I ask does not mean that they are not helping. But God alone is ever our helper. God alone ever has our best interest at heart. And for all of God's blessings, we ought to be eternally grateful. We want to direct your attention this morning, uh, again, to the text that was read into our hearing. Uh, We want to look there in Hebrews chapter 10. I want to read again verse number 35. Hebrews 10, verse 35. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. Uh, Based on the words of the Hebrew writer here in Hebrews chapter 10, uh, we want to use this morning as a subject, which way will you give? Uh, Which way will you give? And last week when a certain individual heard the title, they asked me, is this going to be a sermon about giving? And my answer was yes, because it is going to be a sermon about giving, but I know what you mean. Is it going to be a sermon about giving money? Uh, No, it's not going to be a sermon about giving money per se, although I certainly think you could make uh, some extrapolation uh, based on what we will cover uh, this morning. And as we consider the text that we have before us here in Hebrews chapter 10, It is readily apparent when we read the New Testament that the first century church faced many trials and troubles. And I would even go so far as to say that much of what we call trial, uh, they would have considered lightweight. Uh, When your life is threatened, that's trouble. Uh, When your ability to earn a living or to live peaceably in society uh, is taken away from you, uh, that's trouble. Uh, But when there's just a variation of ideology, uh, when there is a variation uh, of opinion, uh, that's not, you know, that's trouble to the extent that you allow it to be. But when we look at life, generally speaking, every life will know some trouble. And it's true that men, whether under a covenant relationship with God or not, have faced trials and troubles ever since the fall in Eden. 
It was Job who made the great declaration long ago in Job 14, verse 1, and said that man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. Yet I submit to you that the primary consideration is not that we face challenges, uh, uh, trials and troubles. The primary consideration is how do we react to these things? See, whatever life may bring our our way, our circumstances do not dictate or mandate a particular reaction. I'm always free to choose how I respond to outside stimuli. When bad things happen, I'm free to choose how I respond to that. Anger is a choice. Disappointment is a choice. Joy is a choice. I'm free to choose how I respond to what happens to me. And in any age, in any dispensation, even the children of God have faced adversity. Have you ever fallen prey to that fallacy of thinking, now that I'm a child of God, certain things just ought not happen to me? And we wonder kind of like Joshua did, is the Lord with us or not? When we look at the the, the Hebrew letter, verse 32 indicates to us not only do Christians have troubles, but that sometimes your troubles are multiplied after you obey the gospel. Notice what the Hebrew writer says, verse 32, but call to remembrance the former days in which after ye were illuminated, ye endured a great fight of afflictions. There was some trouble that came their way because they obeyed the gospel. And the inference seems to be that those particular troubles wouldn't have been faced if they had not obeyed the gospel. If you had stayed in the world, then the world would never have opposed you as being followers of Jesus. And I submit to you that there are three general reactions to adversity. Whatever reaction you may come up, I think they fit under one of these three particular uh, uh, subtitles. And the first reaction to adversity is giving up. It has been said that winners never quit and quitters never win. And I believe there's a great deal of truth to that. I'm not willing to say that it's true 100% of the time, but, but I believe as a general rule of operation, uh, that is likely that quitters never win. I know sometimes if you're playing with the kids and you feel sorry for them, uh, you may uh, allow them to be declared the winner. Uh, you know, and that's innocent enough maybe in, in a board game. Uh, but you don't want to encourage people to feel like if I mope and pout, that's how you get what you want. But the question has to be, asked, what's so wrong with giving up? You know, sometimes the downs can get you down. You know, sometimes when folk ask you how you are doing, you almost really, you almost think, do you really want to know? At this particular moment, with what's going on in my life, do you really want to know how I'm doing? But when we give up because of our situations or circumstances, I submit to you that we have ultimately given up on God. I haven't given up on my circumstances. I've really given up on God. In Hebrews 13, verse 5, the Bible declares, let your conversation be without covetousness. Let your living be without greedy desire. 
and be content with such things as you have. For he had said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Now, if God is with me all the time and I give up, then, then who am I really giving up on? Lord, I hear your promise that you are with me all the time, but, but I'm giving up anyway. When I give up, ultimately, I'm giving up on God. And that was a point in, in uh, the Israelites' history that they gave up on God. Uh, if you ever read Numbers chapter 13 and chapter 14, uh, you remember where God tells them, I give you the land in reference to the promised land. I, I give you the land. Yeah, you've got to go over and subdue it, but I give you the land. And do you remember of the evil report that 10 of the spies brought back? Well, with the giants over there, and we can't fight those folk. And uh, uh, God had brought us out here in the wilderness to die. And, and, and turn with me, if you will, over there to Numbers 14, because I'm going to pop something up on the screen here. And, and I don't want you to think that this is just preacher speak and, and it sounds good. But when you look at the Israelites' reaction uh, uh, to the evil report that the 10 spies brought, brought back, I submit to you that they cried. They lied, they defied, and then they died. Now, I'm not making that up. If you look at the text there in Numbers chapter 14, in verse number 1, and all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. God says, I give you the land, and they out there, oh, boo-hoo, we can't do what God has told us he's already done. And then in verse number 3, they lied. And wherefore hath the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? Now, when I read uh, uh, the Exodus account, I don't see anybody saying when they were coming up out of Egypt, this is a bad idea and, and we're better off here. Uh, they couldn't wait to get to the land of milk and honey. Then in verse 4, they defied, and they said one to another, Let us make us a captain, and let us return into Egypt. Now that just begs to ask a number of questions. How are you going to get back to Egypt? Who, who's going to divide the sea and let you go back across? And, and when you get back, do you think the Egyptians are going to be glad to see you in light of what happened when you left? You know, sometimes we just get in a tizzy about things, and we don't think things through. We just start responding emotionally and, and say all kinds of ridiculous things. You ever hear somebody say, I wish I was dead? Do you? Because you don't have to wish that. God gives you the wherewithal to make that a reality. I mean, if things are just that bad, you don't have to sit around wishing for it. Now, now I'm not encouraging you to go do it. But, but if that's how you really feel, you, you have the wherewithal to make that a reality. And then in verse number 32, they died. God steps in, and God says, I'm a liar, am I? Uh, uh, well, let me start at 31 and get a running start to it. But your little ones, which ye said should be a prey, them will I bring in, and they shall know the land which ye have despised. But as for you... Your carcasses, they shall fall in this wilderness. They died not because God killed them, but because they gave up. The, evil, uh, the ten spies bring back the evil report, and they just decide we can't do what God has told us he's already given us. He's already given us the land, but we can't do that. Don't you know we do that sometimes in our own living? 
It's easy to look at the Israelites and say, yeah, this is what they did. But do you know why the Holy Spirit gives us their record? Because if we are honest, if we are objective, we can look at our own living and say, you know what? I know what it is to give up. I know what it is to say, Lord, this is what you said, but I just can't see it. I know what it is to say, Lord, this is what you said I should do, but I'm going to try something else anyway. And when we give up, we destine ourselves to being unsuccessful. It's easy to give up. You know, basically all you have to do to give up is do nothing. You just quit. Just, just sit down. That's usually what folks say when, I, when they give up. I, I'm not doing anything else. I, I quit. Well, anybody can quit. It doesn't take any character, any substance to quit. Anybody can do that. And the Israelites gave up on God. But then if we look back here in Hebrews chapter 10, and at verse number 38, the writer says, Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Now, sometimes folk, and, and, and I, I have the hardest time, I, I, I'm trying to make three points. And the second one is, is ultimately the first one. Sometimes it's not completely giving up, it's giving in. I, giving in and giving up are still ultimately the same thing, but just for the sake of having the three points this morning, consider giving in to be a second one. Given in, not quitting per se, but compromising, which is hypocrisy, and was condemned by Jesus. Now, I, I want to use somewhat a variation of what he was talking about in Revelation chapter 3, but, but I believe he's talking about compromise there, if we understand what compromise is. You remember the message to the Laodiceans in Revelation 3, uh, uh, verses 15 and 16. Jesus says, I know thy works that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou were cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. You know a compromise, compromise is trying to play it in the middle. Now, now there are some good forms of compromise, but, but there's some evil forms of compromise too. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to compromise. Yeah, that kind of compromise you don't want to make. You don't want to bow down and worship uh, a false image just to kind of keep the peace or not experience uh, any trouble in my living. And in the church, we need to stand our ground about the gospel and, and not be bulldozed into compromise. Our religious world is very much into popularity contests. Well, we're not in a spiritual popularity contest. The Lord calls us to fight the good fight of the faith. And we ought to stand firm on what the Bible declares to be true and keep a secure grip on what God has declared is right. Now, that's not always popular with the world. It, it won't always have folk flocking into the door, uh, but we need to stand on what God said is right. He, he doesn't give us license to change the gospel to accommodate people. That's an evil form of compromise. And notice what Jesus said to the Laodiceans. Because you're not cold or hot. And there are two, two schools of thought on this. You know, sometimes we view hot as being zealous for God and cold as being uh, to the other extreme. 
And, and then some say, you know, hot and cold can be good. Uh, you remember Jesus said, if you give somebody a cold cup of water, uh, in my name, cold can be good in some context. But what Jesus is saying, because you try to play it in the middle, you, you won't choose. Well, do you know in hot and cold, if we even understand hot and cold, hot to be zealous for God and cold to be bad? Do you see what Jesus is saying? Just pick a side so, so that we know where you stand. If cold is evil, do you know nobody has ever looked at the worst of atheists and their bad example said, that's why I won't become a Christian? But you know, people look at a lukewarm Christian and say, see, you Christians talk all that stuff. But look at that individual. Yeah, he says, so I, pick a, let us know where you stand. You know, I, I, God wants everybody to be saved. If we have any doubt about that, why would he send Christ Jesus into the world to die for our sins? I want everybody to be saved. It's your choice. Stand where you're going to stand and let us know who you are. Giving in is an evil form of living. I, I, I'm not going to be here. I'm not going to be there. I'm going to play it, you know, one side against the other. Did you ever hear the story about the Civil War soldier who couldn't make up his mind which side he wanted to fight on? When the Confederates came around, he would dress in the gray uniform, and when the Union was around, he'd dress in the blue uniform. And one day, they both showed up, and he had on a gray top and a blue bottom, and both sides shot him. See, when it comes to compromise, it gives the devil a presence in the body and allows him to work from the inside. And did you know the devil loves to work as a saboteur? He can do his most effective work against the gospel inside the church. Loves to work as a, he's hoping we'll be lukewarm. Yeah, yeah, don't take a stand on anything. Just, just kind of go along to get along. You know, just, just keep the peace and everything will be fine. We need to stand firm and keep a secure grip on, on the word of God. Who knows better than God what the truth is? I, I think I remember Jesus saying when he was uh, praying to the Father, thy word is truth. You know, he never told us our word is true. We need to stand on what God declares to be true. And then looking back there at Hebrews chapter 11, uh, uh, verse 39, the writer says, but we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Uh, the third way uh, that we can give is we can give it over to God. And when I say give it over to God, that's more than optimism or positive thinking. You know, yeah, you ever shared what you were going through with somebody and, and their answer is, it's going to be all right. Yeah, well, what exactly does that mean? How do you know it's going to be all right? It helped me feel what you're feeling. How do I know it's going to be all right? Give me some substance to, to make that tangible. Things are going to be better than all right because God is always God. But what we have to accept is that what God has in mind is not always what we have in mind. God's solution is not always what we want. When I embrace that God's will needs to be done, then things will always be better than all right. 
But until I embrace that fact, you know, I'm going to live with uh, the expectation that God is going to give me what I ask for. He may. But when he gives it to you, he's not going to give it to you just because that's what you ask for. He's going to give it to you because that's what's best for you to have. You know, God doesn't give us what we ask for to our detriment. And sometimes we ask for things to our detriment. You ever been all caught up in romance and you ask God to make this one work? And, and God just looking and say, that ain't, mm-mm. That's not the one. And you ought to know that's not the one. They have no heart for the gospel. That's just not the one. And we down there long and hard praying, Lord, let this one. You know, God may have to do like he did Moses. You remember Moses kept asking, could he go to the promised land? God told Moses, no, and don't ask me again. You know, sometimes God will say that to you. Now, we don't listen. We'll ask again anyhow. And then we'll go on with our bad selves and do what God keep telling us no and then have nerve to whine about the consequences we get because we did what God told us was a bad idea in the first place. And when we say giving things over to God, appreciate that we don't ever give things over to God as a matter of blind faith. See, God gives us reason to believe in him. One of the reasons we have the Bible record is God is saying, I'm giving you reason to believe in me. You know, you can't get past Genesis 1-1 without reason to believe in God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Well, who is able to do that? Who is able to create a universe? Who is greater than time itself? You know, he's Alpha and Omega, you know, from start to finish. There's nowhere you go in history that God wasn't already there first. When I consider God's past, I can't help but to believe in my present and my future. Now, there's Old Testament and New Testament witness to that. Uh, you remember the psalm in Psalm 37, verse 25, I have been young and now am old, yet have I never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. It, what, what is the psalmist saying that God is faithful? Give it over to God because he's shown himself faithful. We've witnessed the goodness of God. Uh, Paul says, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted above that you are able to withstand, but also will with the temptation make a way of escape that you might be able to bear it. Paul just came right out and said it. God is faithful. That's why things are going to be better than all right, because God is faithful. Look back in your living, and you can't ever find a case where God didn't do what he said he was going to do. If we pay attention to what we read, the greats of Hebrews chapter 11, and we often call Hebrews chapter 11 the Bible Hall of Faith. Well, well the greats of Hebrews chapter 11 all bear witness to the faithfulness of God. When you get to chapter 12, he says, Wherefore, seeing we have so great a cloud of witnesses, well, well, what are they witnessing? Or what are they bearing witness to? Uh, God is faithful. Yeah, that's why they're, they're, they're cheering us on in a manner of speaking. Because God is faithful. You can make it because God is faithful. And appreciate our troubles, our trials, our challenges are for our benefit. You know, one of the things I'm learning 
is that crises have a way of showing your faith for what it is. You want to know where you stand as a child of God in terms of your faith. You know what helps you measure that? Some trouble. Yeah, not, not what we might say about, you know, about ourselves in Bible class. You know, we give that self-testimony. I've always been faithful to the Lord ever since the day I was baptized. Well, I pray that's true, but if we really want to know where you stand, let some trouble come your way. Let me see how you respond to trouble. Now, when trouble comes your way and you respond like Job, naked came I from my mother's womb and naked shall I return thither. Blessed be the name of the Lord. See, that's how you respond to trouble. And that was Job's choice. I mean, and that was some, man, when you lose all your stuff, and I know we like to talk about I'm not materialistic, and my mind, lose all your stuff. And then lose your kids on top of it. And then have disease from head to toe. And the first thing out your mouth is, blessed be the name of the Lord. And I'm not just talking, that's what's, that's what's in my heart. See, that'll show us where you stand. Some of us, man, the trouble didn't even hit me directly yet. And we already singing the blues. Crisis will show me where my faith in God is. If my reaction to stop coming to worship service, distance myself from the people of God, sit home, pull the shade down, and sit in the dark and whine a sad song, See, if that's my response to trouble, it's also an indication of where my faith is. And you know, sometimes God needs to help us see us. Because you have an overinflated opinion of yourself. Didn't the Laodiceans in Revelation 3? Because their assessment was markedly different from the Lord's assessment. You know, they're talking about we self-sufficient and don't have need of anything. And Jesus said, you poor, naked, wretched, and blind. Man, there ain't a thing in there I'd want to be one of by itself, much less all of them together. And they think that everything is fine and we're good. And God says, oh, no, you're not. Do you know sometimes trouble is just a reminder? You need me, and you're not as much as you think you are. Trouble comes to everybody because we make bad choices. You know, we look at Adam and Eve, and we well, why would y'all do what God, well, why do we do what God told us not to do? And when we answer that question, we answered it for them as well. And do you know that's why trouble comes our way? There wasn't any trouble till then. When we disobey God, we give birth to trouble. But once trouble is there, how do you handle it? Do you just quit? Do you think trouble is going to go away because you quit? You know, I know some of us, I, you know, there's certain folk coming up I wouldn't play games with. Because when they start losing, they're going to quit. Yeah, well, I won't play with you if you're going to quit. Now, you fine as long as you're winning. And you know, you, want, you don't win, you want to quit. No, that, that, that life doesn't work that way. You can't just quit because things aren't going your way. You know, sometimes we live life like little kids. The minute it don't go my way, I quit. Well, you, you can't give in and compromise. You know, just try to be on whatever side. Of, you know, I'm a fan of whatever team is ahead at the moment. 
Yeah, after a while, don't nobody want you. They can't depend on you for anything. You, you that fair weather friend. But if I choose to stand with God, whatever, in the sunshine, he's God, in the rain, he's God, and he's worthy of praise, whatever the weather is. See, that's a faith walk. That's what God calls us to. I don't walk with God because of my circumstances. I walk with God because he is God. Circumstances are just that. They're just circumstances. Well, you know, circumstances are temporary. Do you know we're only here for a short time? It doesn't matter how long you want to stay. We're here for a short term, short time. But then there is this thing called eternity, where we're going to spend eternity forever in one of two places. And that's predicated on how we give in this life. Yeah, give it over to God. Walk with God. Paul says our troubles are but for a season, for a short while. But Jesus has said, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. But until such time as he comes back, the expectation from God is that we will give our troubles over to him and walk faithfully after his will. God wants to adopt us into his family. He calls us through the gospel of Christ Jesus to hear the good news, Romans 10, 17. Believe Jesus to be the Christ, John 8, 24. To turn from sin, Luke 13, 3. Make the confession of faith, Matthew 10, 32. And then be baptized in water for the remission of sins, Acts 2, 38. When we go down into the waters of baptism as a matter of grace and mercy, God washes away our sin and dwells us with his spirit and adds us to the church. And the expectation is, when we rise up out of the waters of baptism, that whatever our challenges, our trials, or our troubles are, that we will give them over to God, but keep walking faithfully after his will. Perhaps you're here this morning, you want to respond to the invitation, or you want the church to pray for you. And if either of these are the case, then we bid you to come as we stand and as we sing.